Hello and welcome to episode 14 of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts Clark Burrow and Lewis Cleland. Each time we have the honour of interviewing an athlete, the questions will be shaped around the Scottish Physical Education School curriculum. This will allow us to get an insight into how athletes gather information on their skills and their fitness levels. It will also reveal how they would plan a period of training to develop their areas of development. First hand, we'll get a personal insight into how the mental, emotional, physical and social factors impact their performance and how they utilise. This week on the podcast, we're absolutely delighted to welcome Ross McKelvey, who is a friend and fellow PE teacher at Irvine Royal Academy. Ross and I both studied our PGDE at UWS a few years back in the 2017-18 academic year. Ross is on today to talk to us about all things volleyball. He has been playing at the top level in volleyball for a number of years now and is currently playing beach volleyball on the UK tour. His biggest achievement this far in volleyball was winning a gold medal at the Under-21 European Small Countries Championship, where he got the pleasure of captaining the Scottish team and was awarded an MVP. We're both really looking forward to this one today, therefore I think it's about time we get him on the show. Right, Ross, thanks for joining us today, mate. How you been? Yeah, good mate, good. Um, try to negotiate my way through through lockdown, I think, but I'm all good. I think we're all in the same boat, try to keep as busy as we can, try to get our routines if the, the hardest thing, I think. So diving right in, so before we get into it, could you give us and the listeners a little more background information on your volleyball experience this far? I mean, I only touched on it recently in the introduction, so... So, a little bit of background about me, I... When I was younger, I played multiple different sports, sort of same as, as most average sort of boys in Scotland, I guess you'd say, football, rugby, tennis, swimming, that sort of thing. Uh, then when I moved to, to high school, um, because of my height, I'm, I'm quite tall, I'm six foot five. Um, one of the PE teachers who was a Scottish internationalist who played for Scotland women at the time, she sort of uh, took me aside in the corner one day and said, I want you to come to volleyball club. Um, and give it a little go so it wasn't a particularly cool sport I don't think but um, I went along to that first session and, and absolutely loved it straight from the off so, so that was how I got into it um, as I sort of got older I got into it more by, by joining the local club um, outside of school um, and at this point I'd sort of I dropped off off from football and wanted to concentrate on volleyball just because I think I had a little bit more sort of natural talent there, and a bit more, bit more progression wise. So, I played for Troon um, and started that about fifteen. And because of the way Troon volleyball club set up, I, I got an opportunity to play men's level uh, a lot sooner than I would have another club. There, there wasn't that many members. There was only two teams, and um, the men's team was always a little bit short. So, um, because of my height and. Um, I started started getting games to the men's team at a really young age, and I think that that helped, really helped my development because I had to had to get better, um, and I sort of forced my way in from there. And then started playing age groups, so under under sixteen, then under twenty one Scotland men's, um, and then from there sort of progressed on to the men's team. And when I was just sort of breaking into the men's team. Um, I captained the the junior under twenty ones in the the European small countries where we got our first ever gold medal. So I think I'm the only captain to get Scotland a gold medal for volleyball, which is a bit of a a very small claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, some achievement, man. Did you always have uh, the vision of playing for playing for Scotland at the top level? See, when you first kind of broke into playing volleyball and finding an enjoyment for it, did you just did you did you find you were naturally quite good at it? Did you pick it up really quickly and then see a vision straight away to, to playing at that level? So for me, it was something that it was a buzz and a sort of feeling that I I hadn't had with other sports, and I definitely had that feeling that I could I could go further than I had in, mm-hmm. in other sports. That's for sure. Um, also because volleyball was <laughs> a fairly small sport, you get a lot yeah. more opportunities um, mm-hmm. at a smaller age, and if you can break into that pool of players early doors then I think I think you're on to something. I think um, um, vo- volleyball is one of those sports that it's it's hard to like you know yourself from when teaching it and that like if the kids are struggling with it and that it's so demotivating but see once you get the hang of it it's like the most fun game ever. Well that, that's it. 
it's um, it's a sport that's actually really tough to, to teach the kids at school because yeah. a all kids have got tiny hands and having massive hands really helps in volleyball. Yeah. Also, you have to kind of know the skills before you can get into a game. And yeah. It's really, and you can see the kids getting really frustrated, but mm-hmm. pick up and plug away at it. You can see them having loads of fun during a game, but. It's not like football where you can just chuck them a ball and, and let them play. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Fortunately, I think that puts a lot of people off, which is a real shame. Yeah, it's a bit more complex. Ross, R- Ross, I think you make a top-class goalie in my football team, by the way. With, with your <laughs> um, but just, um, how did you think you made the top the top level of your country? What was that down to, do you think? What allowed you to get to that level? So I think for me, it was about maximising all of the opportunities I was given. Um, I, I went to every training session with this mindset that I'm going to get an opportunity. I'm, I'm getting an opportunity to, to train with my country or to play for my country. And that's something I might not get again. Or even if it's mm-hmm. the between juniors and men's, I might not be su- as successful at men's as I, as I am at juniors. So let's just take every opportunity that I'm given. And I think that was something that my, my parents really pushed me um, to do, like, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing give 100% and, and that's all Brilliant. been an attitude that I've taken, taken with me. And that's a good message to send out. Brilliant. Absolutely. So it seems like you've been um, very busy during lockdown with your, your e-book thing. I've been keeping up with you in, on Instagram and that. How's, how's that been going? Is that taking up the majority of, the, of your lockdown, working on that? So yeah, that was, that was my Easter holidays. Um, yeah, obviously, we've been in lockdown for a few weeks before that. Um, and I'd been doing doing bits and bobs for work, you know, it's like setting tasks yeah. tasks on time. And then mm. when I got to that Easter holiday two weeks. What's that? Said, What's that? Tasks online. <laughs> <laughs> it's an extended <laughs> holiday for me. That's it. No. Four four months summer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go back. You seen a tan on you? Oh man. <laughs> Um, sorry, so <laughs> Easter holidays rolled around and I just had, had nothing to do but I'd, I'd always kind of had this idea that I had a lot of knowledge in my head that, that I wanted to pass on to people in, in terms of fitness um, so I, I sat down at my laptop one day and sort of just started you know just like typing out some notes and then began to flesh it out and flesh it out and by the end of the two weeks I had the guts of sort of uh, 12,000 words <laughs> which is actually longer than my dissertation um, but I was actually really surprised how I actually just sort of all flowed like I was sitting down it was just all it was all coming out and it was actually surprisingly easy to write and I guess that's maybe just when you're passionate about something and you feel like yeah. you've got that knowledge it, it doesn't feel like as much for sure which is something I really took away from that so is it just loads of different styles of workouts? That's, that's kind of what I've taken from it, just to kind of suit everybody so you can try something different, essentially. That, that, is, that is literally it, mate. So from, from my point of view, I think people, if you try something new, ultimately there's nothing to lose. You either, it either reaffirms what you like or you find something else to add to that sort of your arsenal of, of workouts, if you will. So in this, this ebook, it basically gives you over 30 different styles or ways to work out. Mm-hmm. And my sort of idea was that I'll give you the style or the, the sort of framework, if you will, and then you can input exercises into that framework. So whether it be an EMOM or an AMRAP, those stand for every minute on the minute or as many reps as possible by the mm-hmm. ebook. Give you a little bit more information. <laughs> <laughs> Was it getting a discount? <laughs> Absolutely. There's three discount codes online. Uh, this, um, is, this is a plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, you, you guys will know for yourselves, I'm sure, like, you stick to things a lot better when it's something you know or something yeah. you like. So... A really good example I gave my friend the other day was, let's say there's um, a workout where you've got a, a weights piece and a cardio piece. For your cardio piece, you could pick anything from burpees, roar, salt bike, spin bike, treadmill, whatever. But ultimately, everyone has their favorite of those, but they do the exact same job. So I wouldn't pick burpees because I absolutely hate them and they're rank. But because I'm tall and I weigh quite a lot, 
I can absolutely smash calories on the roar, but it's absolutely pref it's your preference. So yeah. you're going to get the same job done, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. So uh, if I give you a workout and it says pick a weights piece, pick a cardio piece, and you can pick anything you want, you're going to buy into that lot that workout a lot. Yeah, brilliant. He's off, see. I, so that's I just giving people more tools to to use, and it seems like it's um, giving them like I like like you said a framework as opposed to just giving them set exercises, which also makes it a bit easier. Well, that that's it, absolutely. So I'm giving you the framework. You can input whatever exercises you've found that you like, and that's mm-hmm. going to mean you stick to it a lot more. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm brilliant. It's, yeah. Oh, you go. No, no, it's it's difficult to kind of kind of force people to do things. I mean, if I gave you ten workout plans and they all included half the workouts in it or half the movements in the workouts you didn't like, you'd probably yep. stop. Ultimately, that's why people quit on a an exercise regime or, or a diet Absolutely. because they're being given to you by other people and they probably don't really know you or you're following that something someone's put online mm-hmm. and and it's designed for them. It's not designed for you. Yep. So. My personal, what, what I like about fitness is I like designing workouts and I like doing things that, that challenge me, but also that I enjoy. So I just yep. thought that was a concept that I could put out and maybe sort of educate other people on a little bit. It seems like a good idea, man. That sounds brilliant. Right, we're going to move on to some training-related questions now, Ross. You've been a PE teacher yourself. Um, Excellent. We'll be able to give us a good insight into this from a PE perspective and from an athlete perspective. So looking at the cycle of analysis and the first element of it is to investigate <coughs> your uh, current performance. So in relation to that, do you review your previous season's results as a team or do you look at your individual targets and stats to then plan the training programme? Do you have an exam- example of any of them? Yeah, so it's actually quite good because on the UK tour, and, and internationally, beach volleyball is a, a relatively small sort of circle. So there's a lot of information about the teams you're playing online and things like that and videos. So you can look at your scores from back in the back this previous season. And myself and my partner, Cal, we, we target pairs that we've played and look at the score, right, how do we do there? Do we feel like we played to our potential? Right, if we play then next season, what's our what's our new goal going to be? So we we use a review of our scores from the season before and use that to target future goals in terms of score lines. And I mean, even if we're we're losing, say say we've lost a really strong pair two now, next season we might say right, we we're going to want to target a even if it's another loss, it's a two one. We're we're making progress, things like that. Um, also on a sort of skills basis we we do a lot of video analysis we we record every single game um Callum's more of a an analysis guy than me but um he'll sort of put clips together and bits bits and balls like that and send them to me and say right look how we're blocking or look look what's happened here and we can pick apart um whether it's individual skills or times in the game where things aren't going the way we we want them to um so from my point of view, video analysis is an absolutely key tool for us. And it's one that we've learned about our, a lot about ourselves um, using and also a lot about our opponent, opponents as well. It's quite easy sort of with that 2020 hindsight to look and, and see what, um, what tactics your opponents are using and, and you get that sort of third-person perspective, which is great. Is it just 2v2 then? So beach volleyball is two two v yeah. two, yeah. So you get you get one blocker and um, and one defender as well. So <clears throat> being being a blocker is hard because you're constantly jumping up and down. So to block oh. and to attack as well, but being a defender, you you're covering the whole court essentially yourself, and it's a little bit more about speed um, and agility. So you just have designated roles in. So yes, so a lot of. A lot of teams, or some teams, will will split block. So the blocker um, stays at the net, and then the server will then come on and defend. But other teams will just have so whoever is not serving blocks. But other teams, such as ourselves, will have a blocker and a defender that are sort of designated. Ah. Oh, well, you're in the perfect place in, in Trun to get your practice in on the beach. Well, 
Yeah, exactly. I see yeah, you, right. you sometimes post about like there's wee tournaments and that that happen up there. Is that just yeah. anybody can go and join in and get involved or fancy so, list? That's, I, I that's think they make what, a cracking yeah. beach volleyball team. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Get, get yourself a wee bit of beach volleyball. <laughs> Live podcast. I make a good. I make a good team. I don't know about beach volleyball. I like it. <laughs> Wait, so I'm just. Uh, oh, Scottish sorry, tour. No, that's that's Scottish tour. Um, there's Scottish tour events every sort of every second week in the summer, um, and anyone can come along and play. You just sort of pay your pay your membership fee, which. As much, I think it's maybe a tenner, and then you pay your entry fee for each tournament. So, yeah, so when's that? Next, the yeah. next year, then not until next year. Now, is it cancelled this year? There, you, we might get another couple of tournaments at the end of the year, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, so at the end of the summer. But um, I think it's remember, highly unlikely just now. Remember, we were going to do that camping thing at uni. We were going to go to that volleyball tournament. But I was gutted. I never got to go. Did anybody actually yeah. go and do it? Yeah, yeah, um, we didn't go that year, but I've I've been before a couple of times. I was so Absolutely. keen for it as well. I was so keen. You should definitely go get get your PE department or whoever. Aye, There's loads of PE. Oh, I've heard about that one. Uh, yeah. that, that, north of Perth. It's in Perth, yeah. yeah so uh, I've heard about that. Um, well, if you give us a wee text about the one that's coming up, me and Lewis will get practicing. We, we go to a wee beach area in the morning and do some cold water therapy so we can practice down there. <laughs> Get Ross Hisler play a video on it. <laughs> right, so as a volleyball player, there are many different components of many different components of fitness which are required to play the sport, as you touched on there with speed and agility, depends on your position. Can you put, can you pick one and talk us through the process you would use to develop and improve this aspect? So the sort of two biggest ones for me that I that I picked out, one because they they relate both to myself and to my to my partner is speed uh, and power. So the the sort of approach that I would use to develop those would be plyometric training. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's something you guys would go through with Nat Five and higher, probably. Mm-hmm. I've touched on it a bit. Yeah, yeah. plyometric yeah. circuits for yeah, um, I, for like gymnastics and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of my boys is a foot a footballer for. Howard Nackies, one of my National 5 pupils last year. He's a striker okay. and we one of his development areas was speed, so we went through plyometrics for that in the 60 metre sprint, sprint test as well to test it. Well, that's it. So for me, I'm, I'm looking for that power in my, my vertical jump to, to block as high as possible. Believe it or not, I'm actually not that tall in the volleyball world. Um, I mean, last, last year at Olympic qualifiers, we played two guys from Ukraine and they were both six foot eleven, so I was like <laughs> up to their shoulder. <laughs> you need uh, a lot of biometrics to get that high. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. We do wear a ladder. <laughs> so, so I'm a bit more reliant on my my jump as well as my height. Um, so things like skipping, box jumps, um, yeah. broad jumps, things like that. Um, so anything basically where you're you're doing sort of low sets and reps, but you're putting your maximum effort in. Okay. So a bit a bit similar to sprinting. Um, mm-hmm. So you're putting your your max effort in, and then you're giving yourself a long period of recovery, um, so that so that you've got that ability to then go to your max again. How much of uh, training do you do on the sand? So I'll do a little bit of sand plyo. Obviously, if you're jumping on the sand, it's twice as hard as jumping yep. off a solid surface. So we'll do a little bit of plyo work um, and a little bit of agility and speed work in the sand. And then other than that, it's usually sort of close skills like ball control and then just gameplay. Um, when it's, it's cardio and things like that, I try and tend to stay on the bike and um, which is a little bit low, low impact for me. Yeah. So you've just touched on obviously in depth a bit about your power and speed training there. Could you give us kind of in simple terms what when you're in the midst of your volleyball season, what a typical week of training would look like? So like Monday through to Friday or however many days you train. Seven days in a week. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Monday to Sunday then. <laughs> so yeah, sorry. That was a cheap shot. That was a cheap shot. No, um, no, I'm sorry. I'll get you back. Monday <laughs> 
Monday, Monday through to Friday, uh, I'll train, and then most most competitions tend to be Friday into uh, sorry Saturday into Sunday. So right. starting off off on a Monday, um, I'll train in the gym in the morning. So it'll be some sort of strength piece or maybe a little bit of cardio, mm-hmm. um, and that'll probably be from something like seven o'clock in the morning to to eight, and then go to work, have breakfast at work, and then start. Start the day at work. I know you probably know exactly what that's like. Um, mm. Early mornings <laughs> and late, right. late nights. But, um, Especially driving yeah. back for five. <laughs> that's it, mate. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. That's a killer. Um, but I'm the exact same. Um, so Monday, Monday, Tuesday after school because they are longer days for us at school. So we don't finish until four. Yeah. Um, I'll do some sort of training at either Air Beach or Trin Beach. Um, either with some of the younger guys from our club um, or last year I trained a lot with one of the girls who also plays on the UK tour, a girl called Katie, who is really, really keen, just as keen as me, to, to sort of train and, and to develop her game, which is absolutely great. So she stays in Troon. So we trained a lot in Troon Beach last year and just did, as I said earlier, some work on sort of closed skills, so serving, passing, uh, defending and, and bits and bobs like that, which, which really, really helped me because that's probably a side that I maybe neglect at times because I, I really enjoy the sort of gameplay side of things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But that, that definitely helped bring on my ball control and that sort of had a knock-on effect to, on my overall game. So Monday and Tuesday, I'll, I'll train at home. Um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, usually, again, will be a, a morning in the gym. And then after work, I will go to Edinburgh to train with my partner, Callum. So as soon as school finishes, at just before three, I'm jumping in the car. I'm out the door before the kids. <laughs> I'm jumping in the car and I'm going to Edinburgh. So I'm usually there for about five, half five. That, that's a good that's, drive, isn't it? That's a tough, that's a, how long is that? Two hours? So... I think in normal traffic it'd be about two hours, but at that time of night, just by the time you get to Edinburgh, it's like so destroying trying to get from uh, Hermiston Gate round to, to Portobello Beach on the other side mm-hmm. of the city. So, um, yeah, that's pretty brutal. Are you know, knackered trying to by the time you get there, just sluggish from being in the car. Yeah, absolutely. So it's horrible, isn't it? I get there about half five and then half an hour just warming, warming up, stretching, try to get my body going, and then we'll train from about six to eight. And then by the time you're showered, changed, etc., so you're back in the car, half eight, and then I'm usually not back till about half, half ten. So Wednesday, Thursday, um, I'm through in Edinburgh, and that's a little bit more, I'd say because I'm, I've got that chance to train with a partner, it's, it's more gameplay um, situations and, and things like that. And there's also a sort of wider base of players. So there's um, a lot of foreign guys who are absolutely brilliant and great training partners that are giving us a sort of higher level to train against, um, mm-hmm. which is great. So ultimately, I've kind of got to make that sacrifice to go and travel and spend them, spend them my own money as well um, to, mm-hmm. to sort of pay petrol and, and bits and bobs. Um, but Callum finishes work a little bit later than me, so, so I sort of take the hit for those two days. Yeah. Um, in terms of Friday, it's usually a, a day off or I'll just do some sort of like steady cardio in the morning just to keep my mm-hmm. body ticking over. Um, and then a lot of the time, if we're playing away, so if we're doing a UK tour event, most of them are down the very side of England, so London or, or Bournemouth, somewhere like that, um, that's a travel day. Or on a couple of occasions last year, we played in the Scandinavian tour. Mm-hmm. So again, Friday can be straight out the door sometimes um, to Glasgow or Edinburgh Airport and, and we're jumping on a flight at sort of 7, 8 o'clock at night um, and we're getting there that, that same night. And then Sundays is game time. Right. Busy schedule then? <laughs> very, very, very busy schedule. Luckily, to be fair, luckily it's... It's at a sort of time in the school year where things are a bit more quiet. Um, so for me this year, obviously we've not really done anything. We we didn't even get a training camp in this year because of COVID. But um, like all our Nat Five stuff had been done, um, yeah. and bits and bobs. So we're sort of winding down on that front. So it's it's a little bit easier in terms of mm-hmm. I've not got so much to to prep for classes and, and next day and things like that. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where in um, Scandinavia did you go? Where, what beaches are in Scandinavia? So it's actually just really, think- really, really cool there. So Sweden and Denmark have absolutely unreal facilities. So it's not necessarily a beach, but they've just got beach courts absolutely everywhere. Um, so they sort of set it up as, if you can imagine, just a massive sandpit. So right. four walls, sort of four feet high to keep the sand in, and then just loads and loads of beach volleyball courts. Oh, brilliant. Um, in Sweden, though, there's actually an absolutely unreal indoor centre. So if you can imagine, like, um, what's the place in Wishaw called? Ravenscraig. Ravenscraig. If you can imagine Ravenscraig football pitch, indoor football pitch. Mm-hmm. But with beach volleyball, so sand filled with wow. a roof, it's, and it's just absolutely breathtaking. It's brilliant. Aye, and and that's where the tournaments and that are held. Aye. Yeah. Right. Okay. Brilliant. So, how often do you monitor your training program to make sure you're maintaining your performance levels throughout your season? And what kind of so methods that would you use? Yeah. So for me, it's um, it's mostly about a training diet. So I'll record all our. Uh, sand sessions and all my my own gym sessions mm-hmm. and see to be honest I'll just look sort of week to week and then to be honest the main thing I'm looking for is is burnout and we're both I, I'm sure you guys can can uh, sort of understand but it's like you just get that week where you you just don't feel yourself and you feel like you've lost all that energy yeah and to be honest as I've just described a week <laughs> It can get pretty hectic, and you just mm-hmm. you just get those weeks where you you need to sort of take take a bit of a load off. Maybe you, you reduce your weights in the gym. You I'll I'll only train on a, a Wednesday in Edinburgh, rather than a Wednesday Thursday, and you just need to sort of give your body that break that it needs. Yeah. Um. So if I can look back and then see where I've programmed the deload week and what I've done up to that point, that kind of gives me an idea of what my sort of capabilities are and I've found that really really effective so I can then plan forward and put in a deload week where I think that my body's going to need to to have a break if that makes sense yeah I think listening to your body is so important like we've experienced the the kind of bad side there haven't we when we were trying to do right. I don't know was that you know when we were trying to do that three peaks challenge yeah I was I was yeah. training for that you'll, and you'll be the exact same yeah exactly just because we were doing stints of training so it was like three every three weeks every fourth week we had a deload week so we just mm-hmm. took some mileage and then we, we stopped that cycle though didn't we didn't really it, listen. we'd deload then build it and <laughs> we just kept right. we, we just thought more was better like we had <laughs> we had no clue basically and uh, but it sounds like you've got the right idea by taking a deload week when you when you need it, whereas we were just doing three and one, three and one, no matter how we felt, we had to get the three weeks done. Yeah. You're doing it, you're recording it, and then realizing when you're burning out, and then looking back to see what caused it, and then you're sort of planning forward for that. Well, that's it, exactly. And it's I, I can't stress the sort of importance of a training diary enough, even if it's only like shorthand notes, as long as it makes mm-hmm. sense to you, then it doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. And then I can use my, my notes from last year for this year coming forward, or even if it's things as simple as, right, we tried a new drill, the drill was X, Y, and Z, um, didn't like it or really liked it, or Cal might like it and I might not like it, so we won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's really good to, to yeah, sort of keep it, just silly little things like that, and then it saves you time time moving forward, I think. Absolutely, it's a massive part of it, reflecting. Um, so have you probably you've probably experienced the factors as well that impact on performance um, at, at your school and teaching PE. I want to ask you about the social factor. If that's all right. So yep. could you pick could you pick a sub factor for the social factor, one that stands out in any game that you've experienced? And can you give an example of whether it had a positive or a negative impact on your performance? So for me, I think this is again. You guys can can jump in and tell me if you can think of any other examples, but. Beach volleyball is one of the only sports, if not the only sport, where you really, really heavily rely on your partner to communicate with you. So a lot of people listening, I guess, probably won't know that much about beach volleyball. So if I'm going to attack, it means my partner, Cal, has set me the ball. So he's put the ball up for me to hit, basically. So as I'm about to attack, as I'm in the air even, it is my partner's job to look through the net and see where the defender is. Because it's very common in beach volleyball for the defender to 
to sort of move one way as a sort of fake and then run the other way. So it's his job, once he's set the ball, to look through the net and tell me where the space is. So, for example, he might shout cross. That means he wants me to hit the ball cross court. Or line. That means he wants me to hit the ball down the line. So I, I can't think of any other sports where the communication is as important as that mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Uh, and the time you've got to communicate is so little. Uh, it's fine margins, isn't it? Exactly. So, again, everyone's played football and a very common expression is, oh, you're ball watching. It's so uh, easy to ball watch in volleyball. See yeah. if you're set. If you're set, rubbish. You're cursing your set and you're kicking yourself. But ultimately, once the ball's left your hands, you can't do anything. You need to look through that net, and it's very, very hard to do. But once you're into that sort of mindset of right set and look, yeah. it sort of becomes a little bit easier. But communication is absolutely key. And if you're shouting the wrong call, you're going to get blocked or you're going to roll the ball straight to that defender. And when you're playing international or UK tour, it's going to get hit back at you 10 times harder. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, I, I can remember your spikes as well when we were playing at, at uni. It was like, pff, I'm not standing anywhere near that man. <laughs> standing way up in the back corner. <laughs> well, that's exactly how I feel sometimes, playing, playing against some of these seven-foot giants. Yeah, uh, but communi- communication is massive for every, a lot of sports, isn't it? But I think you're one as well. You, you need to listen as well, just as much, because it's just the two of you. So you need to be able to listen mm-hmm. when the ball's in there, to listen to you shout. That's almost just as hard as doing, doing the talking. Absolutely. Communication is that two, two-way sort of two-way street. So you're in mid-air. As a hitter, I'm also trying to look as well. If like The, the best players, they say, get the most amount of looks at the defender and then at the ball. But I'm trying to jump, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to make sure my contact's nice, but I'm also making sure I listen to my partner. Because, honestly, beach volleyball is so, so easy. See if you get that call right, you're just hitting the space. And you trust your partner completely. So if your partner gets that communication right, beach volleyball can be incredibly easy if you've got that ball control. Well, whoever said said men can't multitask, you need to have a word with Ross McKelvey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably don't say thank you to her as much as I should, but 
Um, yeah, so she she's a star. She she makes my dinner for me, and it's it's in the fridge for when I get home. So that definitely helps. Um, I think I'd be up to one in the morning if I had to make a move for myself to get back. But I could um, always stop at McDonald's. <laughs> Mate, cut that out. Cut it. <laughs> Don't eat stuff like that. KFC. Ah, KFC. And then that that sort of ties into to organisation, I guess. Um, I'm definitely not the most organised at work. You can ask anyone anyone I work with, but I think things like that maybe force you to to become a little bit more organised. If it's if it's something that's a priority <laughs> from for you, you'll you'll change your habits and you'll start even simple things like packing your bag like before you go the next morning. So pack your bag the night before, pass that on to kids at school. Pee kit in the bag the night before. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Small steps. Small steps. Um, but just little time savers, and you sort of pick up little hacks like that as you as you go along. Um, but yeah, so t- time and organisation are are definitely factors. And then on top of that, obviously, as you can understand, beach volleyball is a fairly niche sport, so we don't get a lot of funding. And and ultimately, <clears throat> one of the, one of the factors is myself and Callum are putting our own money into this. We have very very few sponsors. We we get a little bit of money from from uh, Scottish volleyball, and that mostly goes towards tournaments abroad. So they'll pay for our flight um, or our accommodation sometimes. <coughs> other than that, we're paying our own travel. We are we are paying to go down to these UK tour events, and, and it's it's a big investment. It's one that I'm happy to do, no doubt. But it can take its toll when you've spent a few thousand pounds over the summer and you've not actually had a summer holiday. <laughs> no. So I think that's something that maybe people don't don't consider that a lot of high-level athletes in, in niche sports, more high-level than myself, obviously, in, in niche sports that don't get the same support as other, other sports, um, they give up a lot of their own money. Um, and I think they do it for love of the sport, and that's great. But I think that's something that a lot of people possibly forget. Mm-hmm. Has your role as a volleyball player inspired pupils at your school in terms of participation rates in sport? Like, have you started a club and with your experiences that gained traction? So, yes, as we sort of touched on earlier, I think volleyball is quite an easy sport to get people through the door up, through the door for, but I think trying to get them to stick to it is, is mm-hmm. probably the most difficult part. Um, I've had a little bit of success at school with senior pupils. Um, again, I think just because they're a little bit bigger, they can start to spike the ball. They've got bigger hands, so it's a bit easier to control the ball. They've they've started quite quite taken to it. So I've got a big group of S four pupils who who train um, a couple of times a week, lunch times. Um, they, they're loving it. Um, but we also get a lot of S one and two pupils who there's maybe a group of about twenty of them have stuck to it. But we get a lot more footfall than that through the doors. But they'll maybe come for one or two weeks and then, and then just find it's not for them, or they're getting frustrated, which which I completely understand. But um, yeah, we're get we're getting a lot of attraction. I think it it helps when they know I play at a fairly decent level. They they value put a value in what I'm saying to them, and they sort of take on little bit bits of hints and tips that I'm giving them. <laughs> what no, was I going to say? So, have you taken any of your, your, like your wee volleyball club, have you taken any to play any friendlies event like that against like neighbouring schools? So, not yet. Um, I, I don't know what, what your schools are like in terms of sort of getting them to do after school activities, but it's a real, it's a real uphill battle for, for me to try and get the kids to do anything after school that involves them staying behind. You get them to do the odd sports club, but it's a, it's a real struggle. And it's something that we're trying to work on, but that is definitely a goal. I mean, I've got a couple of friends who have got schools in the local area who have got up and coming volleyball teams who are just just looking for friendlies. But I think confidence is a big thing as well with with my kids. Even though they are fine and they would play a game no problem, I think they don't see themselves as being at that level. So yeah. it's a matter of trying to build up their confidence and sort of persuade them to to get a game going with another school. Um, mm-hmm. Even if even if they lose, it's about putting themselves in that, that sort yeah, of position. Yeah, trying it and seeing if they enjoy it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's also, I think it's about trying to get them to understand that if the pupils in the other school are playing in a friendly match against you guys, they're probably in the exact same boat as well. Like, it's not like you say it's a niche sport. There's not going to be any high flying, like maybe one or two, but there's not going to be any amazing volleyball players out there that play it at a decent level. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think again, it probably depends on the school, but I think it, it's a lot to do with confidence there. And half, half the guys who play are, are really confident in their own right. Great, great football players that would happily play football all day long. But when you put them outside that comfort zone, they're, they're just not quite as comfortable. Um, and I think that's quite an interesting aspect to it as well. Should we get a, 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 a friendly tournament set up in the future? Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I think it's a good option, as you say, for senior pupils. Even every Friday lunchtime, religiously, the PE department, we, we'll play volleyball every Friday lunchtime as a staff, yeah. and we absolutely love it. We've got science teachers coming down and maths teachers, and brilliant for us. But I think, as you say, it's probably more geared towards the senior pupils in school as well. You could probably get that, a team from there. Funnily, funnily enough, that is something I've found sort of across the board. It's a very, very good way to build sort of relationships between staff as well. Staff, um, I love it. Um, yeah, they do. Again, whether it's just that bit easier for them because they're sort of more physically developed, things like that. Um, but where I went to school, we this this is sort of my ambition to be able to one day do with Urban Royal. When I, when I went to school, I went to school at uh, Academy in here. So every year there's uh, maybe 10 or 12 team Christmas volleyball tournament. And every team dresses up as a different team. So my team might be... Santa and elves, uh, your team might be Smurfs, Lewis, your team might be Cowboys and Indians, something like that. One is Smurfs, one is Smurfs. The captains are always senior pupils and they get right. to pick the theme and then it filters down. So each team has a couple of S5s, S4s, S3s, all the way down to S2 and S1. Um, and then the teachers have got a team as well. Um, and you sort of play a little round robin and you, you get a day off school maybe a couple of days before the end of term and I think that's a really, really good way to, to have fun and to sort of break that sort of barrier between teaching pupils as well. Yeah. And that's absolutely. something it's a great social social sport. But mm-hmm. in Irvine Royal the core <clears throat> have really liked it as well. So I think it's maybe something if you're gonna try it, maybe introduce it a little bit higher up in school and then see see if you can work it from there. Yeah, I think it'd be good to get some friendlies. Just it's just such a fun sport. Like it's just brilliant once you get the hang of it, and you can you can actually get a decent rally in that going. It's such a satisfying sport when you create that attack and win a point. It's brilliant. Absolutely, and again, it's it's something that I think a lot of my kids will say, oh, "I'm too small." You're not really like unless you've got like a seven foot giant on the other side of the net. Like everyone in S four is realistically like the same kind of height, and the net's pretty high anyway. So. I think they expect because probably because they're used to me like absolutely pounding volleyballs off them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think other skills are going to be like that, but um, yeah, you're never too small to play. That's for sure. Absolutely. Right. What? So, final question then to to round this one off. So, what short and long term goals then have you got set for yourself with regards to your your volleyball career? So, in terms of sh- short term. Um, we could probably pre- pretty much go through what we planned for this year, <laughs> um, which unfortunately right. didn't. Um, we had planned to sink some money into uh, an Easter pre-season training camp. Uh, so we had <clears throat> courts in Barcelona and we had booked a coach to, to come and coach us for, for a week um, with another couple of training partners flying in as well. So that was going to be our real start to the year. We're going to get a week in the sands consistency um, some warm weather training, uh, and that was our sort of short-term goal to to start the season off the way we meant to go. So that was a big one for us. We'd, we'd never done it before, or I hadn't, Callum, Callum had. Um, another sort of short-term goal for this season was to play in as many World Tour events as we can. So for, for those of you who don't know, probably most, World Tour sort of starts one star, two star, three star, all the way up to five star. The, the most basic being one. Um, so we were going to try and start off with one-star tournaments and just try and see how many wins we could get or what tournaments we could we could get into the main drawing. 
Um, beach volleyball works similarly to tennis. If if you know how sort of tennis works, you if you're a, a lower ranked team, you have to mm. play qualifiers depending on the number of teams that have entered. And if if you get into get into main draw, that's when you start to get um, get some cash prizes as well, which is another sort of smaller goal, but not something we're particularly worried about. We just wanted to play as many sort of high level games on the world tour as we as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our also our, our short-term goal was to target podiums more on the, the UK tour. So last year we kind of got stuck. We, it was our first year playing, but we, we got stuck at that quarter-final stage. Um, don't get me wrong, we were, we were losing to really strong pairs um, mm-hmm. and pairs that were experienced internationally from, from England and, and other parts of the world. But we wanted to, to sort of break that barrier and, and get into a semi-final and then ultimately either get to a final or, or win a, a third place third place playoff. So that was our sort of three short term goals for the season. Long term we're looking at the Commonwealth Games in twenty twenty two. That is our big ambition. We we want to be there flying the flag for Scotland. Um so that's that's what we're working towards. Um, how many guys teams are, are like typically in the, the Commonwealth games for beach volleyball so there's, for Scotland? There's, there's 12 teams, so there's one for Scotland. Oh, just so one? So each country can only get one spot, which which is quite good for us. Um, so England has guaranteed a spot because they're hosting. Mm. Um, Canada are strong, New Zealand are strong, and Australia are strong. Uh, and then apart from that, it goes down to qualifiers from each continent. So there'll be a Europe qualifier, uh, an Asia qualifier, etc. And then there's, I think, three... Uh, guest invitational spots as well. Brilliant. Well, seems like quite a, I know. Seems like quite a tough thing. Um, like all the qualifiers and that. When was the last time Scotland was was in it? So, Commonwealth Games wise, um, there was a men's team and a women's team in the Gold Coast uh, right. two years ago. So the men's team qualified via the. Europe, Europe qualifier spot, so they won that. And the women's team, they lost their qualifier final for Europe, but they got one of the invitational host spots. Right. Right, so moving on to the quick. Oh, sorry. sorry, on you go. No, no, on you go. Right, so we're just moving on to the. Thanks very much for the questions there and the answers. Uh, moving on to the quick fire round of three now, so it's just 30 seconds max each answer for this one. Be a bit of fun in there as well. Um, so, if you could have a billboard anywhere in your, or if it was in your hometown in Trin, let's say, what would it say? Oh, um, I'd say don't be afraid to ask for help. So I think that's quite a big stigma that I find at school. Kids are really, really afraid of asking if they don't know something. So stick your hand up if you don't know the answer or you don't know how you how to do something. Don't be afraid to to ask. I think people feel like they're an idiot if they don't know the answer to something. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. we really need to get of. Um, a sort yeah. of prime example for me recently would be with my ebook. I, do, I have no idea how to take photos. I have no idea how to even make an ebook. So I was reaching out to people who were digital designers or photographers and asking for a little, little hints and tips and sort of taking from wherever I could. And my knowledge has grown as, as a result of that. Yeah, I think I think uh, there's no such thing as a stupid question, and the more questions we can ask, the more answers we'll get. So, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Have you got any favourites? So my best one would be last year. We, as I say, on the UK tour, we we got stuck at this quarter final phase, and we're playing well, but ultimately losing as a, fa- a failure in some sense. So then last tournament of the year was a small countries international. We play, were playing really well. We then got drawn against one of the English pairs who were a really experienced pair, international standard, had played internationals for a long time. And we drew them in the semi-finals and we then played easily the best we've ever played and we beat them 2 now. So I think having that year's experience and being in that that environment, so we, we've changed from competing every week on the Scottish tour to throwing ourselves into the UK tour and, and changing that environment that you're playing in and becoming a product of your environment and really having to fight for every game has 
completely changed us as players and we we ended up beating a pair that most would have written us off against, I think. So those sort of well, well done. Good stuff. So what advice would you give to a young teenage athlete in any sport? Or uh, I think going back to what I said earlier, maximise every opportunity you're given. Um, so even if you're going to do badly at something, fail giving it your all. See if you're going to do an exam, as long as you've studied 100% for it, doesn't matter. Just don't leave yourself wondering, could I have done better? Um, and I think a, a sort of anecdote is all of us know a guy, whether it's at the pub or wherever, that says, oh, I see when I was 16, I played for Celtic. Coach didn't like me or I got an injury or whatever. And I could have been playing for Celtic. Don't be that guy. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. One of, and one of our guests said that as well. Previously, Paul Craig had said right. something similar, similar to that. Um, about yeah. You always meet that guy in the pub who wishes or who thought he could have water? made it, but never, never quite, never quite has. So that's and definitely ringing bells. Probably because he didn't try hard enough, or he didn't give a hundred percent in training, and it wasn't. It probably wasn't luck. It's or they got a setback, and then they just they can bounce back from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So each week we have a, a key takeaway message from the guests and the host. So Ross, out of courtesy, we'll start with yourself. What would your key takeaway message be for people who are listening? I think my, my takeaway message would be uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's probably from Tim, Tim Ferriss, I think, who said that. But mm-hmm. get comfortable being uncomfortable. Again, it goes back to those questions. Ask questions. The more you put yourself out of your comfort zone, whether it's playing volleyball and we're in that stressful environment where you're two points away from winning the game or you need to come up with that match-winning block or you're in an exam and you're really, really having to think about the answers that you've prepared or you've put your hand up in class, so I'm not quite sure what you're on about here. Help me out. You need to put yourself under under stress to develop and to to sort of grow as a person. So get comfortable, be uncomfortable, and that's oh. how you grow. Lewis, what's yours, mate? Mine would be, and it's this has been quite a common theme with the when we've like interviewed athletes, and it's about how they always participate more than one sport, as when they're kind of coming up before they actually find that sport that they enjoy. Go and try try loads of different sports. Go out and try it. You'll never know if you don't try it, and then. Obviously, you'll find something that you actually enjoy doing, and then you can you can pursue that, and you can give it your all. So, top stuff. I, I like that. What about Absolutely. yourself? Mine would have to be going back to what Ross said by asking questions. My my key takeaway message is, is linked to that. You know, I think me and Lewis are going to go to the top with beach volleyball, and we're going to go and join in one of the tournaments. Me and Lewis are going to create a duo. And on that path to, to the top, we will be asking questions. We'll be going to seek the help. We'll be practicing on the beach. And I think we're going to take on Ross one day and we're going to show him how it's done. We'll bring Absolutely. the second Scottish team to the, to the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> please, please do. Ross, before we go, you, that's, so you now owe us a free ticket for the Commonwealth Games and a free ebook. No worries at all. <laughs> Just send no, it to my garage and Clark will get it. <laughs> I'll be sitting waiting for it. Thanks again for agreeing to do this today, Ross, and giving us a good insight into your training as a beach volleyball player. We appreciate your no time. Buddy. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you very much for listening to this episode with Ross McKelvey. As always, if you see it on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, we would appreciate it if you could give us a share or a retweet as this helps us get the podcast out there so others can listen to it as well. Until next time, we all hope you have a fantastic week. Take care, all.